0: And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is God's word. You may be seated.
1: All right, guys, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And for this morning, that we get to gather together and worship you, God, and, and hear your word. And God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would open the eyes of our hearts to hear, God, what it is you're saying to us. And God, as always, we pray against the enemy that would have us be distracted and would have us miss, God, what you're speaking to us this morning. God, I pray against that and by your power that we'd be focused to hear what your word is saying. And God, we pray uh, with Jonathan Edwards that you would stamp eternity on our eyeballs. Lord, we need this. We long for this. I pray you would help us to think of eternity with you, and that that would be a motivation for us to lose our lives for the sake of gaining them. And so Christ, help us um, as we talk this morning and encourage us, Lord, and we pray you would do this in your name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. Uh, my name is Eric Ripley. If you don't know me, I am a church playing resident here. Uh, very excited to be with you guys. As you guys heard, we're going to be in Revelation 20 and 21. Uh, we are ending our Bible in a Year campaign today, which is pretty crazy. So we didn't go through every verse, but we went through, by and large, the major themes of God's redemptive story in the Bible. And so we're going to be just kind of capping this today and um, kind of moving on into next year in 2018 as we go through different sermon series there. Um, So Happy New Year's, by the way. Uh, It's pretty cool. 2018 is finally here. Um, And and I hope today this word uh, gives you some encouragement uh, and a little bit of sobering as well as we go into the next year. Now, we're on the book of Revelation, and uh, as Joe talked about last week, this is a, a book that has a lot of interesting things in it, but by and large, this book is meant to be an encouragement to the saints of God um, that we may see uh, the end, right, that we may see the future that we have in God, and I think there's no clearer passage than um, here in chapter 21 to look into that, Um, and so there are some crazy things, you know, there's some dragons and a lot of imagery in Revelation that's pretty intense, and sorry to break your heart, but I will not be telling you when the end is going to come, but I just want to explain what it's going to be like when we get there, okay? And um, like I said, I hope it's an encouragement. Uh, I believe that there is an increasing tension in our lives as Christians in the West to live our lives with serious intent and purpose um, for eternal purposes, okay, for the glory of God. Uh, I feel like because our culture is very uh, worldly, hostile to God, frivolous, um, there's this There's this. At us to revel and enjoy the frivolous things. Um, but I, I want to encourage us this morning that we should have lives, like I said, that we live for eternal purposes. We are a different people. Our citizenship is not here in America. Our citizenship, as the Bible says, is in heaven. That is what we're destined for. We are here for a little while and then we will be in heaven. And I want to talk about what that looks like. And my, my hope today is that we would be in, encouraged. To do this with our lives, to live for eternity with passion, um, and that we would do this by meditating and pondering and thinking about what's to come. Thinking about eternity is so important that we do that often, because if not, we'll get lost in what it is that we are called to do. And Jesus is very clear when he talks about discipleship that it is a life that is sacrificed uh, and to follow him and to um, now to live for him and not just ourselves. That's important. Now, if I was to take a gauge and probably ask you guys in here how many people felt like every day of your life, you live uh, pretty awesome, right? Like you you are, are living for eternity with every second, never wasting time. I, I'm pretty sure none of us could say that confidently. Yeah, I do that. Uh, and if you could, you'd be a liar because the Bible says you, you don't do that, right? So, um, but uh, I, I want to encourage you that, that it's, it's possible for us to do this in, in a way where our, our lives look radically different from the world. Um, And and I hope this has encouraged you today. Um, We're going to be looking at three things, uh, but I want to give you just a few things. I don't want to be misunderstood today, okay? I'm going to be talking about judgment and being judged by our works and kind of what that looks like, and I'm going to be making a push for us to change some of the things in our life today, and some of these realities are very tough, and I'm not speaking from someone who has this together. I'm speaking from absolute conviction from the Word of God that my life is in need of some serious change. But I don't want to be misunderstood. There's two things I I want to mention. Um, No one gets to heaven because they're a good person. Okay, No one gets to heaven because they have good works. The only reason that you can be saved is by the precious blood of Christ on your behalf. It is by grace alone, as Ephesians says, so that no one may boast. There's no boasting here. There's no earning your salvation here. There's no earning the love of God here. All of us destined for hell have been from that destiny of wrath simply by the grace of God. So I don't want you to hear me that I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging us to work harder so that God will love us, okay? Um, that is not the gospel. Um, the other thing I don't want to be misunderstood with is I am not advocating for a lifestyle that is absolutely clear from any earthly entertainment, recreation, or joys that we can find in this life. I'm not going to asceticism here where you have to purposely punish yourself So that you could be um, a good Christian, okay? Uh, I'll go on record right now as this is being recorded. Netflix is not evil, okay, within itself. It's not. The internet is not evil within itself. Enjoying the things of this life is encouraged in the Bible because they're gifts from God that reveal his glory, right? These good gifts reveal the good gift giver. But I will say, and I am saying this morning, that I believe all of us could confidently say, if you're truthful to yourself, that we are consumed by and distracted by earthly pleasures more than we would like to admit, right? And that not only that, but in that, Satan rejoices, and he would have it be that way. But God calls us to something different. He calls us to a greater joy as we live life in light of eternity, in light of what's to come For the sake of his gospel being spread and the glory of God. And this is where we will find deepest joy. So I'm not saying you got to go away and throw away your CDs. I'm not saying you got to throw out your video game system, okay? I'm just saying that there are things in life that are important that we should be living for. So I got three main uh, points today out of these passages in Revelation. And they are simply this. Eternity is coming soon. Eternity is purposeful. And eternity is going to be absolutely glorious. Those are my three points. Uh, I hope he's encouraged you this morning. So let's dive into it. Uh, Number one, eternity is coming soon. Let's look at Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. There is coming a day very soon where you and I and everyone who has ever walked the face of this earth or will walk the face of this earth, that we are going to stand before the great white judgment seat of Jesus Christ and be judged by what we have done in the body. We will not only be judged by what we've done, but why we did it. Our motivation is the heart, right? We'll be judged for the heart so you can do good deeds and they can still be bad with a bad heart. So Jesus taught us, and so there is coming a day very soon where you will die. Right now, outside of like one example in the Bible where Elijah got caught up in the heavens, there is a hundred percent death rate for you and I. You are going to die. You are going to stand before God one day, and it's not going to be like most uh, people's view in the West where they say, ah, "I'm sure God's got a sense of humor. I'm sure He'll be cool with it." Right? I'm sure I'll get up and He'll say, "Well, you know, you're all right. You can come in, man. Don't worry about it." You know, God's a gracious God. He's a loving God, so He's not going to send me to hell. Or like some people who um, are Christian and their doctrine would have them believe that uh, everyone's going to be saved in the end, that no, actually no one's ever going to go to hell because God's so loving, He's just going to save everybody. And it's so clear here and, and in the rest of the Bible that that's not true. There's coming a day where you be judged, Christian and non-Christian. You will stand before God. There'll be no one there outside of Jesus Christ himself who could advocate for you or make an argument of why you should get to heaven or shouldn't get to heaven, right? You're going to be judged. And so you get this scene of Jesus Christ, who's the same Jesus Christ who walked this earth, who lived the perfect life for us, who died the death that we deserved, and has given us eternal life in him, offering it to the world because he loved the world. That same Jesus Christ promised that when he comes again, it's going to look much different than the first time that he came, Right? He's coming for vengeance. He's coming to slay the enemies of God. And he's coming to judge the dead, great and small. And it, uh, this is a crazy picture here, but it says that the sky and earth fled away from the presence of Jesus, though it was not able to hide. This is going to be a scary moment. Christian or non-Christian, this would be something that sobers us. we think about, right? That like we are going to be judged by God. And if you anything like me, you look at your deeds and that's a scary thing, right? I always used to hear this from court back in youth ministry, but he would always say, That if I were to put, you know, maybe your last week and just everyone, we could all watch it on the screen. Like how many of you would stay in here and, you know, be willing to sit there like, yeah, I don't have anything I'm ashamed of. You can watch my last week. You can watch my life on the screen. There's no way, right? You'd be ashamed because we uh, have done many deeds in the body that are not good. Uh, But there is coming a day where this is going to happen, and it's coming soon, guys. It's coming soon. Jesus was clear in his life that it was coming soon right? That's why Jesus gave many warnings, like, don't fall asleep. Stay awake. You're not going to know when the bridegroom comes, right? Be ready. Be found doing the works of God for when the bridegroom comes. You've got to be ready. You've got to have oil in your lamps, right? So if it was soon then, over 2,000 years ago, it's got to be soon now, right? And I'm not saying that it's coming like tomorrow and that the Antichrist is, I don't know. You know, like I said, I'm not going to do that for you today because I have no idea, but it's going to come eventually, right? And it is going to be soon, And uh, notice how no one is escaping this, right? It says the dead, great, and small. What that means is the poorest person to the richest person, the youngest person to the oldest person, everyone, every class, every race will stand before God, naked, all their works exposed, and will be judged by God. This is coming for you, um, for everyone. So I ask the question simply, is this something that you feel ready for? And the reason I ask that is not because I'm trying to be shock value or hardcore, but there are so many texts from Jesus, as he gave analogies of this day, that there's so many people who thought they were ready for judgment day and were not, right? He tells this story of um, these guys who were religious leaders, who they were casting out demons and doing many mighty works, and they get to heaven expecting to be invited into the rest of God, the eternal kingdom. And God tells them those scary words, depart from me, I never knew you, right? I mean, these are church leaders. These are religious leaders. These are people who were doing works, the works of God. But he said, depart from me, I never knew you. They weren't ready. There's another story of a man who snuck into um, a wedding and someone pointed him out and said, hey, you, you you don't have your wedding clothes on. Why don't you have your wedding clothes on? And he was cast out of the wedding. He was cast into eternal fire. Right? And there's many other stories that Jesus gives us. So I only ask this because this should be something we ask ourselves, right? And obviously, I know as a Christian, if you have assurance of faith, you say, absolutely. You know, I know the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for those who are eagerly awaiting his coming. And so we're excited. We should be excited. If you are a Christian in the room and you are bought by the blood of Christ, despite how sobering this reality is, you should be found being very excited for it. You know, as Paul says, I'd rather just die and go to this now, Right? but it's necessary because God's called me to be a missionary. It's necessary because on your sake that I would be here, that I may encourage you. Paul said it'd be far better to die, right? So we believe that. Even if you've got an awesome life here, it is better to die, and that should be a a thing that we should say without being ashamed. But if you are not a Christian in the room, I think this is a reality that we should focus on, right, that we should think about, believer or non-believer, because even then your works will still be exposed. I want to be found um, with some good works there. Not that it's going to earn me any favor, like I said, it's not going to earn you any favor. But oh man, when I get there, I'm not going to say, "Wow, I think I prayed enough." Yep, I think I gave enough to the poor. Yep, I think I was missional enough. Yep, you fill in the blank. We're probably not going to say that, but I want to be able to say that to some degree. You know, I don't want to get there and say I did nothing. I wasted it, right? Um, so that should be something we think about. It's coming. Second thing is eternity is purposeful. Look at uh, chapter 21, verses one through three. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with him, with them, as their God. So eternity is purposeful, okay? I I stole this quote. I didn't steal. I'm just going to use a quote from Steve Timmis that I thought was really cool in speaking to this. Um, Here's what he said. He says, God's purpose has always been to have a people for himself, a people that he reveals his glory to, and a people that he displays his glory through, okay? If you're anything like me, and you may not be, but growing up, I pictured heaven because of the Fantastic artwork of heaven that you see as a bunch of naked babies playing harps, right? With nice flowing hair. And you may think of heaven like that, right? Like you might have this view of heaven that's like pretty strange, right? It's like, I don't know if I want to go there. I hope there's no afterlife if I'm a naked baby playing a harp. Um, that would be cool though, because the harp looks fun to play. But um, that is not heaven. And I'll get a little more serious maybe. Maybe you think heaven's like, seems a little weird because you get these pictures of heaven where you have these angels that have, for all since they've been created, have been flying around the throne of God, and every time they get around and see a new facet of God's glory, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? And that's pretty cool. You see the elders bowing down. You see all these things in Revelation, these cool pictures of eternity, but you're like, man, this is kind of strange, right? Like It's like one big concert. It's like, it's like I'm going to Chris Tomlin, but forever. You know, Maybe Chris Tomlin will be leading there. I don't know what it's going to be like, but um, I just want to mention that eternity is... Much greater purpose than naked baby angels. It's Much greater purpose um, than just singing, though we will sing. And that is a big part of heaven. We will worship in other ways. I think heaven will be creative. I think God will give us things to do. And I'm not going to get into too much details of what I think it's going to look like because I'm not a heaven scholar. Um, But I do want to say that it's purposeful. God's plan, guys, has always been to have a people for himself. It's always been to have a people that he can display his glory to and through. Right? And so God's been doing this all throughout the Bible. It's what we've been talking about all year. But heaven is purposeful in the fact that it is going to be so glorious and glorifying to God. And it's going to be awesome in that way. And I think it's important for us because we live in an individualistic culture where it's all about you, right? Like you just do whatever's right for you because you're awesome and you just need to do whatever's good for you. You need to make decisions based on you. Don't worry about your family. Don't worry about others. You just worry all about you. And that is just not the theme of Christianity or the Bible, right? If we miss this, then we're going to miss what it means to really be the body of Christ. And so, just a few examples. Let's start with Adam and Eve, right? Adam's created alone. God says it's not good that man should be alone. He creates a helper, he creates Eve, right? And then he commissions them to uh, fulfill the earth, subdue it, right? To be fruitful and multiply, fulfill the earth with all of God's glory. Uh, then it doesn't stop there. It gets really sinful. This sinful ball starts rolling, and then God destroys the earth with a flood, but he saves Noah. But he doesn't just save Noah. He saves Noah's family that they could reproduce on earth and be that people that God had envisioned in his mind with Adam and Eve. And then with Abraham, he promises Abraham that through his seed, he was going to follow many nations, and that through that seed, he was going to bless all of the nations. Um, and that's when the people, the seed of Abraham is how Israel was created. And so God begins to create this people Israel They go into slavery in Egypt and then they escape from Egypt in this glorious manifestation of God's power over the gods of Egypt and over all the false gods of the world. And then they're in the wilderness and God teaches them lessons there. And then he sends them that next generation after the other generation dies off. He sends this new generation invigored with the power of God to go conquer the promised land. And they were going to set up this promised land and be a beacon of light and righteousness to the world and then they fail again in constant captivity and being rescued. But God was always rescuing them. He was building his people. And then, in a more glorious way, we see his, that was a shadow of what was to come in the New Testament, which is where we're at right now, which was God was going to come, and he was going to build his church on earth. But this church wasn't going to be an earthly kingdom that was set up. It was going to be a heavenly kingdom. And so Jesus comes. He calls disciples. He starts to call all these people tax collectors, sinners to himself, right? And, and he's building this people uh, by whom uh, he can reveal his glory to and through whom he can reveal his glory to the rest of the world. And he continues to do this through the book of Acts. And you see the church starting to operate and thousands are being saved and thousands are being saved and then you know, fulfilling the great commission to go to all the nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue and gather these people for him. And right here in chapter 21, we see this glorious culmination of this goal and it is going to continue through all eternity. God's going to be um, revealing his glory to his people and displaying his glory on the new heavens and the new earth. So it's purposeful, guys. There is a purpose that should resonate with our hearts. And like I said, if, if we don't get this as a church, you're going to find it very hard to love one another. If we don't get this as a church, we're going to find it impossible to truly fulfill the Great Commission together. And not just a church as Providence, but the global church in general. Like, we've been inviting into a bigger story than just yourself, okay? Yes, you are an individual. Yes, you do have a responsibility to have a personal, individual relationship with God Almighty, to personally pursue Him in His Word, in prayer, to personally be missional and live a holy life and to repent of sin and have faith in Him. But it is not simply an individual life with Christ we have. It is a corporate life we have. And this is why we can find it a thing that's possible to actually love one another and be the church and be missional together. And despite not being in the same denomination, right, to fulfill the great commission together for the whole world that every tribe, nation, tongue we brought in, it's very purposeful though. And we should dwell on this purpose because this purpose is your purpose. As God's heart mourns for the lost people in the world, your heart should mourn for the lost people in the world. And it should create in us, to do something about it, right? But it's purposeful. It's not aimless. It's a bigger purpose than God was bored, right? God wasn't bored or lonely. He was like, man, I really need something to do. You know, this the whole Godhead thing. is getting pretty boring. That's not what God was saying when he created and set out this plan. And it's important to know that you exist for this. You were not created for yourself. You were created for the ultimate purpose, to glorify God. And God so designed it in such a way that this would bring us the most joy you could ever imagine. This is why we have a culture that's so individualistic and so unhappy, right? Because it's all about themselves. But no, there's a greater purpose in here. So not only um, is eternity coming soon, but it's very purposeful. We've been invited into this grand story, and this should make us excited. Um, But also, eternity is going to be glorious. Now, what I want to do for the next little bit of time we have uh, is I just want to paint this picture. Uh, of what it's going to look like in heaven. And my goal this morning is not to entice you merely with heaven's joys, but I want to entice you with the source of heaven's joys, which is Jesus Christ. Um, I said this last service, but I think it's very important that you could desire all these... I mean, we're going to mention... I mean, think about it. There's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. There's no more sin. There's no more pain, right? There's no more death. You live forever. You have all this awesome fruit that you get to eat. There's no issues, There's no loss. There's no hurt. But if you were to desire all those things and not desire Jesus Christ, then you are not a Christian. A Christian desires Jesus Christ. And we should say in confidence that I would rather endure tenfold the sufferings of this life for all of eternity, if I may at least gain Christ unhindered in His presence. That would be totally worth it. So if you stand here merely wanting to be a Christian because you want to escape the torment of hell, that may be a good starting point to really considering Christ, but that is not salvation. That is not Christianity. Um, It is loving Christ, adoring Christ, worshiping Christ. But I think there is extreme benefit in regularly and consistently meditating on, thinking about, and pondering the joys that are coming for us. I think that should give you... Direct encouragement right now in your suffering, in your pain, in this life, that it's just going to get better and better and better, okay? Um, so eternity is going to be glorious. Let me read this one more time, verses 1 through 7, and then I just want to give you four things, and then we'll go into some application. We're almost done here. Um, okay, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We'll stop right there. There's four things I see here that are just a super big encouragement to me, and here they are. First thing is that all of creation is, is new, okay? So the heavens, the earth, our bodies, it's all new. This should be an encouragement to us, right? If you have like physical illness you struggle with, uh, or if you just feel like, man, I really just wish I could lose about 30 pounds, right? Just be encouraged that it's going to be new one day, okay? I'm not going to pretend that there's a certain age we're all going to be. I don't know what all that stuff looks like, but it's going to be new, it's going to work as God intended in the first place, as God created it in the first place, and it's going to be glorious and just another testament to God's grace. If you're for the environment, which I'm all for that, all right. you like to recycle, take heart, you will not need a recycling being in heaven. You won't need it. It's going to be perfect, and that's awesome. It's going to be new, and there's this glorious picture of us in the kingdom of God, no nations fighting, no wars, no fear. Where things can fade away or be destroyed, it's eternal, it's new, it's glorious, just as God intended it to be, and that is coming for real, and it's not going to fade away. Second thing is suffering and sin cease to exist. So suffering, whether that be death, whether that be loss, whether that be physical pain, emotional pain, um, whatever suffering you could possibly think of, it's going to come to an end. And when Christ makes us new in the twinkling of an eye, it will be forever changed. Not only that, but your current struggle against sin is going to be wiped away. I mean, think about that. Think about how much grief you have that you can just not have enough righteousness to please God. You're going to be clean one day. You're going to be pure, white as snow, as the Bible says, and you are going to live perfectly righteous. No sin from without and no sin from within can harm you anymore or can take you away from your treasure, which is Jesus Christ you will have perfect communion with God. That is an awesome promise. Also, it's completely free. Okay, You don't have to buy a ticket. There's nothing you have to do to earn. Jesus said, anyone who's here can drink from the living waters without price. Right? Totally free. No earning. It's yours. And we get to have it. And it's only by the grace of God. And that is a beautiful thing. It's totally free free. And lastly, and most importantly, and this is why I didn't do it in linear order because I wanted to mention this last, God's presence is permanently with his people. Our struggle for intimacy with Christ, our struggle to know Christ as we are known by him is done. When Jesus says it is done, that is the thing I think about. God will be there. Jesus will physically be there with his scarred body that he suffered for us and bore the weight of sin will be there with us. And I always like to imagine, you know, those who are like hardcore missionaries, they'll probably be a lot closer. I don't really know the layout of heaven. I'm sure I'll be pretty far, but I'll be there in his presence. And I'm excited for that. Very excited for that. And I should bring you encouragement. And the only reason any of these other joys are so glorious is because we get to enjoy them in the presence of Christ. It's important. Um, and just to kind of cap that in, Jesus gives us assurance in a few ways here. I love that he's sitting on his throne. He claims that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then he says, and these words are trustworthy and true. Right? He gives us this promise that this is true. If you're in Christ, this is your destiny. This is what you're heading for. And that's awesome. So I was thinking about application. For this because I, I feel like, you know, um, they're pretty weighty things, right? Like we should be thinking about these things. And um, I only came up with three. There's many things about eternity that we should be thinking about. But um, we got to ask the question, man, like doing this, meditating on these things, like what fruit should that produce in our lives? Like I mentioned earlier, God has called us to be a very, very, very distinct people from the rest of the world, right? We should look different. And so as we think about eternity and as we hope in what's coming, as we hope in the glory of God, right, what should that produce in our lives? And we could probably mention a lot of things here that I may leave out, but I just got three for you. First one is unwavering joy and hope. It's one of our core convictions here at Providence is unwavering joy. Um, and we should have this, right? I mean, just think about this for a second. If we know that very soon our end is going to be absolute glorious, eternal joy with Christ forever. No more suffering, no more pain. We should be a joyful people. I think it's fair to say that the theme of our lives should not be pessimistic, right? Now, I want to make clear, the Bible does call us to mourn with those who mourn. There is mourning in this life. Some of you may be going through stuff right now as you go into the New Year that's just tough. I'm not saying don't weep. I'm not saying that we won't get hurt I'm not promising you that this life is going to be your best life now. But what I'm saying is that the underlying foundation and theme of the Christian life is unwavering, unhindered joy that cannot be taken from you. If you really believe in Christ, you believe in your salvation, you believe in God's love for you, there is an unwavering joy that should be in us. That's what makes us look so different. There's a hope. Guys, as a Christian, the best is yet to come. Literally every day you should wake up and say, yesterday sucked, but the the best is yet to come. Because it is. Every single day and even in our sufferings, think about this. God is intricately using your suffering for your glory one day, your crown of glory that you're going to get in heaven for his glory, for you displaying his glory is using your suffering. It's not meaningless. Every ounce of your suffering in this life is going to produce in you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Therefore, even in our sufferings, we should rejoice and have that unwavering joy about us. And, and listen, I mean, this, this should cause us to, to live a different life, right? I mean, think about some of the scriptures. Oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? Oh, death, what can man do to me? This should be the theme of our lives. We should have this joy and trust in Christ. And think about this. In your suffering, in your hardship in life, we should trust in Christ. If Christ is good enough to give us this, like if this is our future, our destiny, we receive the actual inheritance of Jesus Christ, should we not trust him when he sends suffering our way for our good? Right? We should be a trusting, joyful, loving people. Second thing. We should have a serious intent to live our lives for eternal purposes, a serious one. Like, I mean, our lives should be just serious enough to where it makes people a little uncomfortable, right? Like, you should be able to go home, and you just probably went home for the holidays, or maybe got to see some family that are not Christians, and we should make them a little uncomfortable. Not purposefully, okay? Not the weird kind of uncomfortable, all right? Where it's like, that person... May have a bolt loose. I don't mean that. I mean, just like, you know, have you ever heard the saying? It's like, oh, you're so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. Like, that's just stupid, all right? We are no earthly good because we're not enough heavenly minded, right? I mean, it's important that we should be this way, and it should make us different. It should make us a little bit serious about how we live our lives, a little more watchful about what we put our energy into. So, can you say that about yourself? Could you say, my life is passionately for this right now? And I hope some of you can. But if you can't and you're with me, here's a few things. Your finances. Do your finances show my hope is not in this world, it's in heaven? And I'm not telling you that to give to providence. You, give, you can give to anything, right? But do your finances look in such a way that my home is not here, my security is not here, my safety is not here? Does your time look like that? What you spend your time on? Do you spend most of your time in the frivolous? Or do you spend it with serious intent to live for the purposes of God and the glory of God? What about your not only your time, but your most fruitful energy? What do you spend that on? If I was to interview your kids, what would they say about you, right? What would they say about your deep passions? What would they say that you spent the most time on? What would they say that they have really learned from, from your lifestyle? And I'm sure many good things. I'm not saying that you all suck here, okay? I'm just saying that this should awaken us a little bit. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't say suck from the stage. It just stinks, I keep thinking that when I say it, and I'm like, man, I'm just bad here. Um, sorry. Is your life truly missional, right? If you, we say as Christians, our hearts beat that lost people may be saved and invited into the kingdom. Does your life show that for real? Is it something you say, man, one day I'm going to do that. As soon as I finish school, as soon as I get to this place in my career, then, whoo, I'm going to be missional, right? Does your life show that right now? Do your life goals cause you to push aside the things of God so that you may complete them? Does your busyness cause you to push aside the things of God so that you might complete them? I I promise you, we are not struggling to read our Bibles and pray because it's too difficult. God has not given us the things and the equipment to do it or because we don't have enough time. We're doing these things because we value other things. We would rather escape the presence of God and pretend like everything's okay than actually experience the presence of God and be called to sacrifice some things in our life. That's why we do that. Um, Martin Luther said, I have two days on my calendar. He said, I have today and that day. And I think that would be a good thing to live our lives by. right? Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have its own stresses. Still going to have problems, still not going to have enough money, you're still going to have this, you're going to have that, but today, you cannot be anxious. Today, you can trust the Lord and live for eternity. Do you feel a major distraction from the things of God in your life? Do you feel this tear within you? It's like, man, I desire that, I want that, I know I should be living for that, but at the same time, an unwillingness to, to do that. We are distracted, we are disengaged from God's purposes and God's heart, and... There is freedom in not doing that. My goal for you today is not to just yell at you so that you could say, man, I really do stink. I'm just going to leave here and you might even say the other word, right? Like, I, you know, whatever. But my goal today is that you would have this freedom, this freedom and saying, I'm allowed to sacrifice some things in my life that aren't necessary, that aren't eternally significant so that... I could live my life in such a way where I would get the most joy out of Christ and do something that's not wasting it, right? Like have that freedom today. Whatever the world puts on you, it says you have to do this to be successful. You don't have to do that. Jesus gave us an out. He said, give your life away that you may gain true life, right? So whatever pressures you're feeling from the world that is so necessary for you to have, you are free. Give it. Sacrifice it. Do something risky for God's kingdom. There's joy there. Um, okay. I risk being shocked by you with this, okay? I just want to be clear, all right? Uh, if you've ever read any missionaries from the 19th, 19th century, you always, you always feel like junk after you do that. You're like, man, I thought I was doing something with my life. Now I'm horrible, okay? So I'm not encouraging you to go read all those missionaries, and feel bad about yourself, but I'm also encouraging you to go read those missionaries and feel bad about yourself. It's really cool with some of the things those guys did. It was just a special move of God in that time period, and God's still doing that around the world. But I want to tell you and read a little something from Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary in the 19th century to Burma. He was called at a young age, felt the call to go. Um, even William Carey, who was a, kind of a founder of the missionary movement there in the 19th century, said, and he was in India at the time, which is right next to Burma, and he said, I wouldn't do that. You know? He's just really tough there. It was in turmoil. There was like civil wars going on. You don't know who you could trust. There were kings being assassinated and brought back into power. just all this weird stuff. Like, but he was like, I'm going. And he wanted to do it. He's like, I'm willing to give. And he made a commitment that he was never going to come back. So I'm going, and I'm just going to die there. He did not end up coming back one time because um, one of his wives got very sick. He didn't have multiple wives at the same time. Okay? They just died, and so he would get remarried. But his first wife... Uh, her name was Anne. So he's about to leave in a few months, and all of a sudden, this lady catches his eye. He's like, I want to marry her. She's, she's pretty, right? She wants the same things I want. And so uh, what he did was he asked her hand in marriage, and she said, well, you better ask my daddy because I can't answer that for you. So uh, he writes this letter, and you can see on the screen, I'm going to read through it. Um, I just want to give you a flavor of what something like this might look like. And here's what he says to her dad. Dad's in the room. Brace yourselves, all right? I have now to ask whether you can consent to be part, to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death, Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise, which shall redound to her Savior from heathen saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? That's intense, right? You read that and you're like, whoa. And he said, yes. That's crazy. He basically said, it's, in, it's in, balls in your court. You do what you want. This is good, right? And I say this not to say you have to be a missionary. You could totally glorify God in light of eternity in your nine to five as an accountant, okay? But I'm just saying, do we have this flavor and aroma about us? Does your life look this way? Are you willing to be like this? Are you willing to sacrifice anything that that the heathen, as he says, non-believer, the nations, might be saved? Does your heart beat that way? Do you feel that in your bones? You might say, oh, that's too radical. You're just crazy. No, it's not. I mean, if you think about literally what Jesus said, that is not radical. I wanted to read that just to give you a flavor of what our lives should look like, what our hearts should feel, right? We should have a serious intent for the mission of God, for the glory of God, for eternity. And we should have the freedom and the joy to live our lives that way. Um, And not only about how we live our lives like that, but also we should have a seriousness um, in our fight against sin. We should be killing our sin. It should grieve us that we would do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit, to grieve the God who has redeemed us. And so not only a serious intention to live for eternity, but a serious intention to kill sin, to flee sin, because God's given us a way of escape. We will not be perfect, but man, we should, we should always be in the ring against sin, right? Um, lastly, this should create in us a worship for God, okay? Okay? When you read about these things, when you read about the joy that you are being invited into, I mean, does that not create worship in your heart? It should create, one, a sense of unworthiness. I mean, I read Revelation 21, and all I can think of is, I am so unworthy to be invited into this. This is scandalous that God would send me, a sinner, deserving the lake of fire, which is the second death, and inviting me into his inheritance. Not only Are you living right now by God's grace? Not only are you saved from eternal hell by God's grace, but you are given the very inheritance of Jesus Christ himself. It is yours. You get to embrace that inheritance of Jesus Christ. That should create worship inside of our hearts. God is glorious. Who is this God who has redeemed us and made us new and has invited us to be a part of his bride? And so that should create worship in us. Um, If you guys could uh, stand with me, I want to pray for us, and I want to just read right before we play uh, just some words from Jesus out of Luke 9. You do not have to turn there. It may not be up on the screen, but that's okay. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes anyway, so um, don't sweat it. So as you guys stand, if you close your eyes, I want to read Luke 9. I want to pray for us, and uh, just pray for our new year, and uh, pray for God's grace to believe, in verse 23, this is Jesus' words: "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory." and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Father, we need your grace. God, I so long, I I so long not to waste my life on frivolous things that don't matter, that don't profit your kingdom, your purposes, your glory. And that just robbed me of absolute joy in you, God. God, I repent, we repent of our earthly narrow-mindedness and focus. And I pray that you give us the courage to drop our meager life goals that are not aiding our eternity. God, may we drop them. May we drop our sin. May we drop our addictions. May we do what the Bible says, which is to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, help us to focus our eyes on you and run with endurance to beat our bodies into submission, to say with Paul that we don't count our lives of any value nor precious to ourselves, but of only We may finish the course that you've given us to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Oh God, help us to set our minds on the things above, not on the things of earth. God, I pray for Providence Community Church that we would be a different people, a changed people, a loving people, a people that are so ready and bound for eternity and so excited about it that we're willing to be risky to invite others into that freedom. We're willing to sacrifice at all cost that people might be saved. Oh, I pray you'd help us to do this, that your gospel will be made unignorable in our city. And God, I pray you'd call some, give up everything, and move to a nation where they don't know the language. That those from every tribe, language and tongue may be invited into your kingdom Oh God. Let our hearts beat for this, change us. Holy Spirit, do your work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.